Hi, survivors. Hi, survivors. How are you guys doing today? Um, it's been a minute since we released an episode. It's been five million years. How long has it been? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I guess that is not a podcast anymore. Do we even have surprise listeners besides ourselves? I don't think so, but that's okay. That's okay. Anybody that's listening, I like to. Be, I've been. I like to go back and re-listen to our episodes. Makes me feel heard as a survivor, and I hope that that is an experience that somebody will get in the future. Yeah, me too. From our podcast, of course, it would make me feel heard because it's literally me talking. Right. So, I would feel heard by that, and I do. Thank you, self. So what? I'm Oliver. Oh, and I'm Bailey. And, and this, this is Survivor, Survivor Team Go! this time <laughs> to see if it helps with our sound yeah our perpetual sound problems but then we do we do check being and massively then, unprofessional then we do check-ins and then news and updates. oh news and updates what check-ins first okay how are you doing bailey i'm i'm gonna be honest with you i'm really stressed out yeah right now is it about that trip yeah it's about the trip i'm going on a trip to guadalajara for a couple of weeks for an art thing, which is really exciting, but I'm very nervous. I don't like to fly, and I've only ever been out of the country one other time. Yeah. In my whole life. So traveling is scary. I mean, yeah. It's just mostly it's stressful. There's so much annoying stuff, and then there's like a lot of strangers who are like, <sighs> like, you know. There's I'm also just a lot of interpersonal stuff to deal with all the time whenever you travel. I'm also like I've gotten lost in every airport that I've literally ever been to. Airports are really large and confusing, and I feel like really bad for people with PTSD because you're so vulnerable. Yeah, it's there's scary. Angry, angry people with scary. With, Everybody's um, mad at you, and you're always doing something wrong. Yeah. Anyway, the one time, the one other time I was out of the country, it was on an art history trip to Florence, and we had one free day. And by the end of that day, I was, it was like 2 a.m. And I was drunk and asleep on a bench in front of a closed oh, no. bus depot on an island off the coast of Italy. Yeah. I don't want to travel with myself because yeah. that's how it goes. I'm going to stay in the pillow fort. I, but I want to be an artist and you have to travel. You have to have an international footprint. I have a lot of sympathy for the travel anxiety. Like, I don't like traveling very much either. And I don't have, like, a fear of flying like a lot of people do. I um, I have a fear of being in a tiny... A tin can. Tin can with, like, 50 people I don't know. It's very Poirot of you. I know. We've been watching a lot of Poirot We've lately. been watching a lot of Poirot. <laughs> Agatha Christie's Poirot. Shout out to Agatha Christie. It's in, like... Inventor of it's the... It's like Sherlock Holmes, but even gayer, if that's possible. I love it. Yep. Anyway, uh, news and updates. Wait, wait. Do my check-in. Oh, I, we didn't do your check-in. How are you, Oliver? I'm I'm doing I'm doing okay. I um um I feel like I've been working a lot and it's outside and it's hot and I don't know. I'm sorry. Anyway, it's 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 all that's a bummer. And I I'm just always like stressed out by any sort of like interpersonal stuff and 
know. Me but too. But it's fine. It's it's fine though. Like, don't let it get to you. It's all normal stuff, and I'm fine. It's hard. It's hard when you're like every time you have an interaction with someone and it doesn't go perfect. You're like, it's my fault. What have I done wrong? I know. And then you meet somebody that's just like honestly like kind of a mean person. And there's nothing you can do to make them happy. They don't want to be happy. And then it's just like. It's just exhausting. It's just exhausting because you're like, oh, my God, I must be doing something wrong in like every interaction. And it's like, no, you're not. You're not. They're just, you know, some you're not people doing are anything wrong. Some people just and they don't want don't want to be pleasant. And that's OK. Pe- yeah. Different people have different priorities. I value pleasantness. I really value just really serene and, interactions. And just being respect, just mutual respect. I just think respect is like, you know, and not being judgmental. And yeah. Anyway. But it's it's all good. And I'm really excited for uh, to hear about Bailey's trip. And I'm uh, excited for, I don't know, like for the fall. It's going to be great. Things are great. My life is great. I live in uh, Southern California and I live with my best friend and all these animals my life is perfect oh you're so sweet my life is great i live in southern california with all a bunch of animals oh my god there's a dog trying to get into our pillow fort oh Oh my my god God. she's trying to break in monster monster (laughs) oh poor baby she's like let me into the pillow fort let chewy in and now it's time for news and updates news and updates (laughs) what well uh, our th- I think our big piece of news, seeing as how this is our long-promised Jeffrey Epstein episode, ode, 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 <laughs> uh, which I think I only promised one other time, but long-time listeners of the podcast will know that I have had a personal <laughs> vendetta against Jeffrey Epstein since I was like 12 and found out that he had a, the first time I found out that he had a fucking plane called the Lolita Express. Where he raped children. Where he raped children. Or had other um, people rape them. But hey, the good news is that now he's dead. Hooray! Yay! Yay! Let's just put it out there. Hooray! I'm Fuck glad Jeffrey he's dead. Epstein. Fuck that fucker. He raped little girls all the time. And he delivered them to men over this whole wonderful world of ours he on was, a fucking plane that he, he called the Lolita camp. Express. He was a child pimp and a sex trafficker. He bought girls from their parents in, like, poor countries. He just... And then sold them to, like... Anybody who no one would ever ask about uh, later. Anyway. There's one of the survivors that Like, let's just... I just think that we need to take a moment to celebrate the fact that whether he was assassinated secretly by someone in the you know, to cover up for Prince Andrew or whatever the fuck, or whether he just killed himself in his jail cell where he was unsupervised, it doesn't matter because he is dead. And I, I, for one, am glad. The only reservation I have about him dying is that he can't give away more people now. Well, obviously it's a cover-up, but, like, either he committed suicide as a cover-up or he was murdered as a cover-up. Yeah. But, like, still, now he's dead. At least he can't rape any more little girls. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure they'll find a new pimp. I'm sure he's not the only pimp. It just seems like he was a particularly... Egregious? Uh, well, he just he had a big uh, he had a big operation. Oh, yeah. And he seemed so untouchable. 
He got like I mean, 13 months one time. He on was a plea deal. really good at getting away with it because all the lawyers and all the judges are like fucking buying women from him. I don't even think he was the best at getting away with it because we do know his name. I think there are people who have been more careful than him. Oh, he didn't I guess care. that's true. They didn't name their planes Little anyway, Express. So that's true. He was just Ugh. ostentatious. He didn't give a fuck. Well, anyway, so that's that's the news is that Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about him in this episode. Uh, special, should we do like a special update? No, 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 no. Pedophile update. <laughs> okay. What is it? What's the it's pedophile? that Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Oh, okay. That's our pedophile. Oh, beep, 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 Breaking news, Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Not really breaking, because... Old news, Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Yeah, it happened like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Anyway, so now we're going to talk about it. So, do you you just want to jump in? You got your whole little... My notes? Your notes. I did research, guys. I never did research. Do you have any other news you want to cover real quick? I I don't have any news. I, I... All the news is depressing, but it's not really related. I mean, we all know what the news is, and it's horrifying. There's like... They're like doing vaginal cavity searches on infants at the that are in camps at the border. Like yeah, exactly. And then I like five more women have accused Donald Trump of rape in the past week. And then thinking about how we have these concentration camps for like like the ICE concentration camps. I've just been realizing more and more that the U.S. has always had concentration camps and it's always had slavery and it's never stopped. Yep. Um, and I just get really. And all people have always protested it too. People have always been like, yeah. "Um, this is wrong," and then it still happened. Well, it's. I think it's always easier to see when the other side, the side of like, and of course, like America is a colony, so colonizer, and also an empire, both yeah. a colony and an empire. Yeah, sucks. Um. Okay. Anyway, so overview of Jeffrey Epstein, just is that he is a rich American, or was a rich American financier um, who began his professional life as a teacher and seemed to have been changed to the banking and finance sector in various roles. It seems like he just sort of like failed upward in a way. Like he dropped out of college and then he got hired as like a teacher despite no credentials by William Barr's father, the Attorney General of the United States father. Yeah. Then he got fired from that job for not being qualified by a different headmaster later. Well, anyway. So to get more specific, Epstein was born on Coney Island uh, to a working class family. He wasn't born into money. He is a college dropout. uh, And he appears to have gained his estimated $557 million estate as it was valued, according to an article I read earlier today. Um, mostly through political connections that he has made. One of his first political connections was with, as you said, Oliver, the, our sitting Attorney General William Barr's father, Donald Barr, who was the, like, the headmaster, I guess, at Dalton, some kind of prestigious prep school, and he gave him a job teaching math there, which just makes me think about um, that Matt Damon movie, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting, right? <laughs> like, do you think that's how Jeffrey Epstein saw I, himself? I think it's probably how he saw himself. I think like that that's, some like unappreciated genius, like ridiculous, like because a la he Matt was Damon, just like who's like 
who just like someone recognizes his genius after he solves an amazing math yeah. mystery. I'm sure that's how he saw himself. I'm sure that's yeah. He I'm sure he saw himself as a genius who rose to who was recognized for his his genius and rose to glory. Like yeah, exactly. So during his uh, tenure at Dalton, where he taught math, despite being a college dropout, uh, he connected with a bunch of pupils and their rich fathers. He fraternized with underage girls. Um, This is pretty familiar to me. My cousin was a history teacher, and he was fired from his job for having sex with 16-year-old girls. Yeah. So I have personally known a person that was quite like um, uh, Epstein in this way, and my cousin is a piece of shit, and so is Jeffrey Epstein. Gross. Don't have sex with your students. Just don't. Just don't do it. Even if, if you your have students a student... are over, like, uh, like an ad- Even if they're, age, like, adults. Like, adult like just wait until they're not in your class anymore yeah and then you can have sex with them you know just like that's like a good rule of thumb and if you can't wait for them to not be your student anymore to have sex with them then obviously you have a problem yeah you need to be thinking about your life and your choices uh find somebody else to have sex with just fascism gets stronger in your country because there's always fascist elements and of course like america is a colony so and also an empire, both a colony and an empire. Yeah. Sucks. Anyway. So, overview of Jeffrey Epstein just is that he is a rich American, or was a rich American financier who began his professional life as a teacher and seemed to have then changed to the banking and finance sector in various roles. It seems like he just sort of like failed upward in a way. Like he dropped out of college. And then he got hired as, like, a teacher despite no credentials by William Barr's father, the attorney general so, of the United States' father. And yeah. Then he got fired from that job for not being qualified by a different headmaster later. Well, to get more specific, Epstein was born on Coney Island uh, to a working class family. He wasn't born into money. He is a college dropout. Uh, and he appears to have gained his estimated 500 $557 million estate, as it was valued, according to an article I read earlier today, mostly through political connections that he has made. One of his first political connections was with, as you said, Oliver, our sitting Attorney General William Barr's father, Donald Barr, who was the like the headmaster, I guess, at Dalton, some kind of prestigious prep school. And he gave him a job teaching math there, which just makes me think about um, that Matt Damon movie. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> right? Like, do you think that's how Jeffrey Epstein saw I, himself? I think it's probably how he saw himself. I think like that that's... Like some, like, unappreciated genius. Like, ridiculous like, because Like, a la Matt Damon. Just, like... Who's, like... Who just, like, someone recognizes his genius after he solves an amazing math yeah. mystery. I'm sure that's how he saw. He, I'm sure he saw himself as a genius who rose to, who was recognized for his his genius and rose to glory. Like, yeah, exactly. So during his uh, tenure at Dalton, he connected with a bunch of pupils and their rich fathers. He fraternized with underage girls. Um, this is pretty familiar to me. My 
cousin was a history teacher and he was fired from his job for having sex with 16-year-old girls. Yeah. So I have personally known a person that was quite like um, uh, Epstein in this way. And my cousin is a piece of shit. And so is Jeffrey Epstein. Gross. Don't have sex with your students. Just don't. Just don't do it. Even if, if you your have students a student over like uh, like an ad- even if they're aged, like adults, like, adult like just wait until they're not in your class anymore. Yeah, and then you can have sex with them. You know, just like that's like a good rule of thumb. And if you can't wait for them to not be your student anymore to have sex with them, then obviously you have a problem. Yeah, you need to be thinking about your life and your choices. Uh, find somebody else to have sex with. Okay, so. Jeffrey Epstein connected. He was like raping little 16 year olds, probably. He was like getting really friendly with like young men who were his pupils. And he became connected with uh, somebody's rich dad who got him a job at Bear Stearns, which is like one of those big financial advisor companies. You know, yeah. Bear Stearns. I, I I'm pretty don't. sure they were a big part of that whole like big collapse that happened in the recession. Like with Enron and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's the same one. It's not Enron. It was the other one, like Goldman Sachs and Bear uh, Stearns, right? Yeah, for, I like don't know. Like the too big to fail kind of shit. <laughs> I literally like the. Any um, of oh my god, what did they call it? The <sighs> the thing where they the were like money. bundling the mortgages or whatever. Uh, the whatever maybe it wasn't them i think it was them though i think i was asleep that year okay so he became one of these sort of assholes he was a financial advisor so that means he would like rich guys would come to him and he worked in like a big fancy building in new york or wherever for bear stearns and people would come to him and he would be like okay give me your money and then i'll do a bunch of stuff with it and i'll invest it and i'll make you more money because you have so much money that you don't have time to, like, think about it. Right. But then I get, like, a fee. Like a percentage from or whatever. A percentage of every transaction that you, that I make with your money. So apparently he worked for this guy Wexler, who was the owner of Victoria's Secret and Amber Crombie and Fitch. And he, he's super rich. And he got, like, $200 million just from this guy alone. Apparently. Something like that. So how is he getting all these, like, rich clients? Like, how is he getting, like, the richest clients in the world? How is this random college dropout from Coney Island? Like, he is a financial advisor to Bill Clinton. He's a financial advisor to Donald Trump. He's best friends with Prince Andrew. Um, How does Epstein know all these people? And this is just a fact. Like, sometimes they report in the news they act like this is, like, not true or that it's alleged or whatever. And that, like... Because legally they have to. But it's, it's... it's alleged that, like, that Donald Trump raped a 13-year-old girl at one of Jeffrey Epstein's sex parties. That's alleged. Yeah. But we know for a fact that he hung out with Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, yeah. We so do. it's not alleged that they together. have a relationship. Yeah. yeah uh, sometimes journalists are too cautious about using the word alleged or suspect. I'm like... It's no, like, no, that. and we know that he had a relationship with Bill Clinton, and we know that he had a relationship with Prince Andrew. We know that Prince Harry has been to his island. We know these things. They're facts. We don't know what happened on the island, but it seems like only one thing really happened on that fucking island. Yeah. Apparently, 
he had a submarine that Stephen he had specially modified for Stephen Hawking because Stephen Hawking had never been underwater before, which says that they were pretty close. I feel like I was grossed out to learn that. Anyway, he's connected to a lot of famous people. Yeah, it's like a list of his little black book that's mm-hmm. like published online. Um, and I think a lot of those people, like he was just like those were people he wanted to know. But I mean, some people he was like literally just like buddies with, like Bill Clinton went on his plane, like hit the Lolita Express several times when he was president. Donald Trump has a great quote here: "I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy." He's a lot of fun to be with. It's even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. No doubt about it, Jeffrey enjoys his social life. Okay, let me just stop you right there, and let's talk about the relationship between Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump. So in, do you remember the year that this was alleged to have happened? The The 13-year-old girl? The rape. I I don't remember the year. I think maybe it was 1994. There was a 13-year-old girl who filed an anonymous lawsuit in the state of California against Donald Trump, stating that he raped her and then Jeffrey Epstein raped her and then they held her in Jeffrey Epstein's mansion as a like a sex slave. Yeah, it was 94. I just 94, yeah. Uh, in 1994. And the lawsuit was filed... In 2016. In 2016, and then it was dropped. The same year, I think. Apparently, they told her uh, the standard disgusting pedophile bullshit that they'd kill her family if she ever said anything. And part of why she dropped the lawsuit later was because of, like, constant death threats that she was receiving. Yeah. Which sounds crazy, but actually isn't that far-fetched because we have the testimony of... Virginia Roberts, who one of uh, Epstein's many surviving victims, uh, she was 16. And the this was part of like Miami Herald did a lot of reporting on this and like blew this case wide open. It was amazing. So if you want to kind of get the lowdown on the Jeffrey Epstein situation, check out the Miami Herald's reporting. Um, but they interviewed a lot of his surviving victims and Virginia Roberts... Uh, told in her interview that I watched with the Miami Herald that when she was 16, she was a 16-year-old runaway, and she was working, surprise, surprise, in the spa at the Mar-a-Lago Resort Hotel. That place that so Donald Trump always hangs The place that out. Donald Trump fucking owns. And spends all his weekends And he spends there. all his weekends there on taxpayer money now. And then Ghislaine Maxwell is this... She's like often referred to as the British connection. She's some kind of like British aristocracy woman or something. I don't understand how like the British elite works or like the British royalty or whatever, but she's some some British woman who was dating Jeffrey Epstein and then became basically just like his second in command pimp. Maxwell recruited Roberts and Roberts says Quote, the training began immediately. How to give a blowjob. The training was from Ghislaine herself. Uh, So Ghislaine was like training her to like how to give Jeffrey Epstein blowjobs. And she said like part of the training was that you become this numb person who doesn't feel anything and you don't think anything and all you do is obey. 
And that's really gross. And then, and she's 16 when this started. And then after a few years, they sent her to St. James Island, which is Jeffrey Epstein's private island, with a professor um, who she was supposed to, you know, have sex with and give blowjobs to and just be like his whore, I guess. Uh, but she, Virginia Roberts, te- like states that she was rented out to both attorney Alan Dershowitz, a uh, known associate of Epstein's, also in his little black book, and Prince Andrew, Duke of York, also a known associate of Epstein's, also in his little black book. Um, these guys are both frequenters of his, like, plane. And Robert says about the plane, in her interview, she was like, it's called Lolita Express for a reason. That was a vestful for him to be able to abuse girls and get away with it. So Roberts escaped when she was 19. He sent her to Thailand to pick up a young Thai girl and to get extra training. And she met a guy and decided she was going to marry him. And they went to like Australia, I guess. And she called Jeffrey Epstein and she was like, I'm leaving. And he was like, have a nice life. But then in 2015, she said she started getting phone calls. I think it was 2015. Uh, she said she started getting phone calls from first Gillian Maxwell and then Jeffrey Epstein about whether or not she had talked to anyone. And then she started getting the phone calls from the FBI. Because in 2015, Gawker published Epstein's Little Black Book, which eventually led to the 2018 charges. So we know that he called and harassed a survivor of his who had not, like, given him a forwarding address. Like, he found her and called her. And she was living in Australia. And she hadn't talked to him in years. Like, she had, like, a family and stuff. But obviously, he he and Ghislaine and the other people in his operation had, like, kept tabs on her her whole life because as soon as they were like, oh, no, the FBI's got her name, they called her up. And then the FBI contacted her a couple of days later. So it's not that much of a stretch for me to imagine that Epstein's people could have followed and kept tabs on this 13-year-old girl. The Jane Doe. The Jane Doe. He was charged with 36 counts of sexual assault against a minor the first time that he was charged and he got 13 months in a Palm Beach prison which was basically like a resort where he could check himself out oh my god yeah he could just leave whenever he wanted basically and he like kept doing his pimping business even when he was in prison technically and then he they had just charged him again when he committed suicide in jail so I don't know how many counts there were, but I mean, you can only imagine hundreds, I, yeah. hundreds yeah, over the years. It was, a, it was a large sex trafficking op- operation. Yeah. That was global. Global. And really politically connected. Yeah. Which is probably why he didn't bother being very quiet about it and named his, literally named his plane the Lolita Express. He felt like he could, and he got away with it for I a mean, really long time. I mean, he did for he many like, years. He got away with it. In his so. 60s when he committed suicide and like, he started doing like, Doing this stuff probably when he was that teacher at that school, when he was like yeah. in his 20s. In his 20s. So most of his victims were uh, young girls between the ages of 13 to 16, seems like. And most of them were in foster care or from single parent low income families. Many were homeless or just one step ahead of homelessness. So the sort of girls that are often preyed on by pimps. Courtney Wilde has something said something really succinct about it she um she met him she met jeffrey epstein when she was 14 and still had braces and he convinced her to recruit other girls for him and uh 
she says, um, one of the things she says is that he told me he wanted girls as young as I could find them. If I had a girl to bring him at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's how many times I would go a day. He wanted as many girls as I could get him. It was never enough, which is disgusting. But she also says she that he preyed on girls who were homeless or otherwise vulnerable. Uh, direct quote, he went after girls who he thought no one would listen to, and he was right. Courtney Love said that? Courtney Wilde. Oh, Courtney Wilde. Uh, one of the survivors. No, it was Courtney like, Love Courtney was Love. Book, apparently. What? In his list of contacts. Well, that's why I was like, oh, is that how he knows Courtney Love? She yeah, has I think list that of there probably are victims in his book, in his black book. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, some of them are for sure victims. Yeah. I mean, like, they're women that he would, you know, call to have sex with. Yeah. Who are also recruiting for him. So that's hard. Well, I just wanted to, like, quickly, well, we already went through a list of famous people that are associated with him. Obviously, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Prince Andrew, Alan Dershowitz, um, Ghislaine Maxwell, Woody Allen, obviously, Donald Barr, William, Attorney General William Barr's father, Stephen Hawking, Stephen Peter, Harvey Weinstein, also obviously. Oh, yeah, Harvey Weinstein, not a surprise. Um, and he and Woody Allen were, like, best friends or something. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone here knows about Woody Allen, right? Look it up if you don't, because he married his daughter. Yeah, he did. Disgusting. And he sexually abused his other daughter, like raped his... He raped one of his daughters, and to cover it up cover up for it, he married his adopted daughter. And then I have a bunch <laughs> of quotes from survivors, because I thought it was important to hear their voices. Virginia Roberts, or Jeffrey as she is now, because she's married, um, she said, I was young, I was scared, and I knew these people were powerful, which is so sad. And, like, obviously, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she was 16 when she was recruited by Ghislaine Maxwell. Sarah Ransom said, uh, the news of my abuser's arrest today is a step in the right direction to finally hold Epstein accountable. Courtney Wilds said, you know, he played on, uh, he went on after girls who he thought no one would listen to and he was right. Jenna Lisa Jones says, you beat yourself up mentally and physically. Uh, you can't ever stop your thoughts. A word can trigger something. For me, it's the word pure because he called you pure in that room. And then I remember what he did to me in that room. That's really sad. It's all, it's all really sad. Michelle Licata says, he ruined my life and a lot of girls' lives. People need to know what he did and why he wasn't prosecuted so it never happens again. But the thing is that it does keep happening, and it's happening right now. And Jeffrey Epstein is not, not the only one. He's just the most famous one right now. He was not hiding it. The scale of the, this shit is, like, unbelievable. It's, like, incomprehensible, you know? I'm just, like, crying listening to these accounts of these survivors and, like, how much they're punished and how much they have to carry the shame of what, like, monsters like Epstein do and the actions that they choose to take, but also how we glorify rapists and treat rape survivors like... We just place all the blame of all the, sh the shame we associate with the act on the survivor, which is insane because they're the victim. Like, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't have a choice. How could it have been their fault? That's rape. Yeah. That's what rape is. Yeah. But the rapists, like, never have to experience that kind of shame. We, we have so many ways of defending uh, rapists or apologizing for rapists or saying that they didn't understand what they were doing or... Some people are just, you know, hardwired wrong. Uh, and I, I think it's all just excuses for people to continue to hurt, like for, for some people to continue to hurt others, particularly vulnerable and marginalized people, and be, like, honored for it in some ways. Because, like, t as, as a man in our culture, like, you're there's so much of a reward for scoring or for, like, having, like, 
like an active sex life and it, it it's not no one cares if it's no one thinks to like ask the people who you're having sex with are interested in it or having a good time or also fulfilled you're not lauded as a man for like being like a good lover in some ways that's actually like seen as being like a namby pamby bullshit but being somebody who like scores with lots of women lots of young women can like that people congratulate men for that kind of shit that's like a very like toxic sort of male culture like it's just we live in a really in a rape culture yeah i mean and I don't know. The whole, like, if you want to get sort of literary about it, the whole heroic journey tradition is embedded in also a like a heroic rapist tradition. A lot of times the heroic journey, a big part of it is to rape often foreign women, you know, like think about Zeus and then think about like Odysseus in the Odyssey. Like he just rapes his way across like fucking ancient Greece, while his wife stays chastely at home but is constantly threatened by rape she has to defend herself against all these rapists constantly while he goes around raping everyone and this is like the greatest story in all of western history or whatever you know like that's that is reflected like those kind of values what we valorize is reflected in people's actions we cannot valorize rapists and then act like we're shocked that the current sitting president of the United States gangbanged a 13-year-old in Jeffrey Epstein's mansion in 1994. Because that's exactly what fucking Odysseus would do. He would get down in that virgin meat. That's, I mean, so much of the language of conquest is the language of rape. Like, of conquest of, like, lands and stuff. It's like colonialism is like a metaphor I mean, it's all about, it's about fascism is dehumanization in order to objectify, commodify, and exploit. We are objectified in order to be commodified and then exploited. These men, I can't remember the name of the guy, but this is a direct quote that I heard earlier today during my research, which was upsetting, obviously that a guy called the like the underage girls that they would rape on the Lolita Express on their way to the like the fucking orgy island he would call them snacks like these are snacks on the plane because they weren't people to them they're not people to them we are not people to them if I stood in front of Donald Trump or Prince Andrew or any of these men and women Fucking Ghislaine Maxwell is right there with him, you know. Uh, If I stood in front of any of them, they would not see me as a person. And they see the weakest ones that are the easiest to exploit, and they do it because strong people refuse to protect weak people in this society. Or we're not allowed to protect weak people in this society. I mean, fuck, we're not allowed to give water to people who are dying of thirst. It's literally illegal. It's literally illegal. It's illegal to... A man was sent, like, arrested for giving water to some... To a person that was trying to cross the border that he met in in his yard, on his property. He just gave him some water, and he was sent to prison. What kind of fascist hellscape is this? 
fucking rapists everywhere. The fucking Lolita Express. Like, this is hell. We're living in hell. <coughs> like, what the hell? I also have... Fuck these guys. Like a newspaper clipping. Don't give water to people who are dying of thirst and do excuse fucking people that call underage girls snacks on their way to Orgy Island. I also have a newspaper clipping that I forgot to go and get, so I don't have it in front of me, about how Jeffrey Epstein was really interested in, um, like, science. Oh, and no. he was really interested the, in eugenics. The eugenics. And he oh, wanted God. to start this farm in New Mexico with a bunch of his sperm saved, no, where he, he would impregnate a bunch of women. He, he did, did start do that. that. He, he had, like, what, 30 women impregnated by him at any given time living so. in, a, in a ranch in Utah? That is not a conspiracy theory, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, and non-binary listeners of the podcast. Not a conspiracy theory. It actually he kept happens. women, a certain number of women, always pregnant with his children at any given time because he thought he would make like a super race. Yeah, he thought he had really great, excellent genes for the future of humanity. Apparently he would he kept have... talking to scientists about this and he would fund yeah. their research. Well, he would have to... these parties where he would invite a bunch of like like people who are the head of their field and whatever research um, people at harvard like people at harvard people in universities and it would mostly be men but the few women that he did invite he'd invite like 30 men and like one or two of them would be women it was like very obvious and this is what some of the men said when they left, they were like, that guy's really gross. It was really obvious that he had only invited those two or three women to interview them to see if they were smart enough to help him make super human smart babies. Yeah. To be like, his, he was vetting them to be birth mothers. Yeah. Like, this is fucking Handmaid's Tale level shit. Yeah. And he Legit. Wants, he wanted, um, he, I think he had a will written. I don't know if it happened. I don't know if it was carried out. But he wanted his brain... And his penis to be preserved cryogenically after he died. What a psychotic freak. Because <laughs> uh, he wanted to, like, you know, be revived later with his brain and his penis. But his brain and his penis, the most important parts of any human. And he also had a bunch of sperm saved on ice. Of course he did. I think it's still out there somewhere. A bunch of Jeffrey Epstein sperm. I... I'm going to tell you guys, I have my entire life had a genuine fear of becoming a birth mother ever since I read The Giver in fourth grade. Oh, yeah. And it's terrifying. It's, it's one of those things that I didn't outgrow. It just became more real to me as I got older because I was like, oh, shit. You read The Giver as a, as a young child and then you read the, the Handmaid's Tale in middle school or high school and you're just like, and then you like grow up and you realize those are real Things. Those are real things. <laughs> Those are not that well, far off from reality. Margaret Atwood literally said she didn't write anything in The Handmaid's Tale that wasn't from history. Yeah. Something that had happened in history. It's so think so about that, horrifying. people that are just now watching the TV show, new fans of The Handmaid's Tale. I've never seen the TV show. I, I haven't seen the good. TV show either. I'm sure it's fine. It's just like, you know, I was a fan of the book. <laughs> you got that tattoo? I have a tattoo of Nolite Te Best Artist Carbon Dorum. So, yeah. You liked it before it was cool. But yeah, we live in Gilead. We've always lived in Gilead. That's the fictional land in Handmaid's Tale. I mean, I feel like it's not as bad as Gilead yet, but it's definitely cruising in that direction. Yeah. Especially if we have a fucking another term of this rapist. Ugh. 
on the bright side, maybe the Earth will be destroyed in 12 years and no one will be alive. JK, I don't want that. I mean, I yeah. It's important to keep things in perspective. We are also destroying the planet. I mean, the entire rainforest is on fire right now because of Bolsonaro. Another fascist rapist. Yeah, the global rise of fascist rapists. <laughs> and it's funny how they seem to be bad for women and they're also really bad for poor people and the environment. It's like all of those things go together somehow. And if only we could begin to realize that wealth and power is bad and that people that have wealth and power are bad and not good and that we should listen to the people that don't have wealth and power yeah and not ignore 200 women when they come forward yeah oh but i do i did want to make a quick note just to say that when i was reading all this research i was like oh my god they never listen to women they never listen to women and then i was like well they never listen to men either because this Boy Scout shit. How many Boy Scouts have been sexually abused? It, it's just coming out now. They actually have records. That they, the, Boy the Boy Scouts of America kept records, kept records of which Scoutmasters were like sexual abusers, and they let and they like they cover up for them. They would fire them. They would be like, "You can't be a Scout leader anymore," but they would cover up for them and not press charges. And they would they would cover it up so that no charges would be pressed by other people. Too. Yeah, yeah. They like, would tell the boy. They would cu- hush the boys up. Yeah. Like, and this so happened in the Catholic Church. If you're like too. listening to this and you're some kind of dude and you're all smug and you're like, oh, well, I don't care. They don't listen to women. They don't listen to men either, man. We're only as safe as the least safe person. There was there's all this. There used to, there was um I remember there being you a could big, be raped next. A big flare up a few years ago on like the internet circles that I was in. That was um, about like like men's rights activists being like, well, sometimes men are falsely accused of rape, but like actually you're much more like, so that's not really what I'm mostly getting at, but like you're actually, a statistic I learned from that is that you're like, like a hundred times more likely to, as a man to be raped than you are to be falsely accused of rape, which is extremely rare. Like there's, there was all kinds of things that were like more likely to be, to happen to you as a man than be falsely accused, but the main one was, that hit me the hardest, was that you're much more likely to be raped. Men are raped a lot. Boys are raped a lot. Boys are raped a lot. It's one in, it's like one in, like, four women is raped or sexually assaulted at some point in their lives, but it's like one in six men. It's, uh, that's really not that much of a difference. That's not a big difference. Honestly, you guys. it's probably underreported in both cases. My. Because people are ashamed. My, or don't contextualize their experience as they think it's their fault yeah. and that it wasn't rape. Yeah. I was sexually abused by my father. And one time he was beating my brother and he was telling my brother about how his dad would beat him every time he caught him with an erection. Because after my grandpa, my dad's dad, had been released from the psychiatric ward that he had been sent to and given electroshock therapy at he couldn't get an erection anymore so every time he caught my dad with an erection and i don't understand why he's catching him with an erection what does that mean yeah he would beat him and like you guys that is sexual abuse yeah like if that is happening to you psa to all the men out there if that's happening to you you're being sexually abused that's horrifying don't let somebody beat you every time they catch you with an erection. Well, I, I mean, mean obviously really don't do. let 
Yeah. I just think he was like, I don't know. It's just very sad. That's That was horrible for me to say. Maybe I'll cut that out. Don't let somebody be you. Obviously, somebody, don't let someone be you. Right. I mean, we all internalize that kind of stuff, though. Yeah, that's true. We're always blaming ourselves and thinking, maybe I could have stopped it. That's just a perfect example of how survivors internalize. Because I, I mean... Internalize the blame, internalize the guilt. I, I always thought that my parents were perfect and that they were really good people and good parents to me until, like, it took me a long time of being like, well, maybe my dad's kind of an asshole. And then being like, oh, I don't think that he should have told me, like, that I didn't love him because I was late to meet him one time. Like, or, oh, that that thing that I keep thinking was a dream. Maybe it wasn't, like, a dream. That thing that happened when I was, like, four years old and I asked him how people have sex. Yeah. (sighs) Maybe that wasn't a a dream. And maybe that wasn't okay. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And it it wasn't a dream. And it really happened. And And it wasn't okay either. But... You can't help but, like, everybody does this. Every single survivor of abuse and sexual violence, like, blames themselves or thinks that maybe they could have avoided it somehow or thinks that maybe it wasn't real or didn't happen because you don't want that to be in your life. It's so, yeah, so hard yeah. because you're punished for it if you do sit, like, realize it and, and yeah. say it. Yeah. Well, this kind of brings us to where I wanted to end this, <laughs> uh, which is that, you know, I've been watching these... Miami Herald interviews with these really brave women who survived. A list of, just a list Uh, of some of the survivors. I just wanted to say that rather than just like recite their names, uh, I just wanted to like thank some of the survivors who have come forward and told their stories because listening to these interviews as a fellow survivor who's dealt with like some of the ways that you're punished for disclosing to your abuse I like heard them say, talk about like, there was one woman who said she couldn't breastfeed her children because it was so, she had flashbacks whenever her breasts were touched by anyone and that she felt so guilty about that. And just like a lot of the things that they said were like, or another woman was like, I was just, she talked about how every time she thought about she was like, well, now I'm going to have to tell every person I ever date for the rest of my life about this, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and that's true. That's true. That's one of the hardest things for me about dating is that I literally have to tell every person that I date on the first date. I have to be like, I have PTSD. I was sexually abused as a child. Uh, and it's going to be a while before I'm like comfortable touching you in an intimate way. And if that's not okay, then this probably isn't going to work out. And it's never worked out. (laughs) Spoiler alert, never in my whole life has that person, not that I've done that very many times, but never in my whole life has that person been like, okay, like, that's cool. Yeah. And I, I'm just now like, because I was in denial for so long. I'm just now learning that that's the thing that I, that I do need to do. And I, I hate it so much. I've dated people in the past, but I don't think it's, I think part of the reason I haven't had too much success with that is because I hadn't dealt with any of my, my, um, I had not come to terms with the fact that I'd been sexually abused as a child. Well, and you're also told, we're told so often that it's nothing. And that's what a lot of these women were saying was that they were like, it's so stupid. How can I be so upset over such a small thing? And the thing is, is that it may be small to people like Jeffrey Epstein that don't think of us as human, but it's not small to us. 
because we are human beings. And like, I don't know, maybe people like him don't like have totally lost touch with their souls in some kind of weird Voldemort sort of way. And, <laughs> and he doesn't know like the scars that he's giving himself by being such a like a by causing so much pain to other human beings and other living things on this planet. But like, it's not nothing to hurt a child. And if you were hurt as a child, that's not nothing. And you have every right to be upset about it. And it's, it's his fault, not yours. So I just wanted to say I understand what you're going through. If any survivors of abuse are listening, because this is Survivor Team Go, um, fellow, fellow survivors, you're here on the island with us. You're here in the pillow fort with us. Anyway, so we want to thank some of the... Some of the survivors who have come some forward. Some of the survivors who've come forward. And... We want to thank Virginia Roberts, who's now Virginia Joffrey. We want to thank Sarah Ransom, Jennifer Arrows. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Sorry if we're saying your names wrong. We want to thank Courtney Wilde. We want to thank Jenna Lisa Jones. We want to thank Michelle Licata. And that's just a small fraction of the list of those survivors who have come forward and filed suit against Jeffrey Epstein for sexual assault and sex, sex trafficking. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's from Refinery29 is my, mostly, <laughs> mostly. And we want to thank the Miami Herald for their amazing reporting that they did on this case. Yeah. And we also I don't want know which, to, I don't know which journalists it was. We also want to provide some uh, resources to people who may need them. Uh, we have, uh, first and foremost, I think for this episode, Rain, the rape and, rape and incest, wait. What does rape rain stand for? R A I N N. Um, rape and abuse. Rape, rape abuse, abuse and incest. Uh, something network. Information network, I think. Rape abuse and incest information network. Um, started by Tori Amos. Start founded by Tori Amos. Rape abuse and incest national network. National network. The large, the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. All right, so yeah, the phone number, the website for them is www.rainn.org. Um, their phone number is 1-800-656-HOPE or in numbers 1-800-656-4673. We also want to provide the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which the number is 1-800-273-8255 and their website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's one 800 Eight two five five, and the the trans lifeline is uh eight seven seven five six five eight eight six zero or translifeline.org online. So if you need those organizations, they're there. They're there to help, and they're really good organizations. Survivor tip. Oh yeah, survivor tips. I had a. Did you have a good one? I ha I know that I did at one point have a good one. <laughs> My survivor tip is that when when you are. 19 years old and it's your first time out of the country you should rethink the third bottle of wine on your day trip to that island that's name you can't remember anymore <laughs> that's a good that's and i'm not good. telling you not to drink the third bottle of wine i'm telling you to just think maybe rethink it before you drink the third bottle of wine just think about it because you might end up sleeping in a bus stop at 1am that's rough that might be where you end up 
And then you'll just have to rely on the kindness of a random old Italian gentleman that called the like Italian transit authority oh my God. and mapped out a route for us oh my God. to get back. Oh my God. I was all set to stay sleeping in the bus station, though. I was like, well, I guess we're not going to go anywhere until the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, I know that I had a really good survivor tip at one, one point. That I was like, oh, this is short, and it's easy to remember, and it's a good, good advice. Uh, but I don't remember it. So my survivor tip is trust your instincts. If you meet a person or know a person um, or have a re- an interaction with a, with a person and you feel uncomfortable about it in some way that you can't really explain you um it's okay to like examine that like it's okay to like not hang out with that person can i just tell you something yes this is an old survivor tip of mine that you're literally verbatim stealing trust your instincts trust your instincts that's an old old survivor tip of mine okay my survivor tip is you don't have to be friends with somebody okay whoever it is we all know it, it doesn't matter. Going through something right it doesn't now. matter if they're not if they like they haven't done anything particularly wrong. If you don't like them or if you like feel weird about them, you don't have to be friends with them. Oliver's trying really hard to come to terms with having finally encountered a person that he does not want to be friends with. He's really struggling. It's really hard for him to go through this. And uh, that's fine. And I'm here to I just support have you. To be friends with everybody. For the next twelve hours until I fly to Guadalajara tomorrow, and then I won't be here to support you anymore, and I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry I can't go with you. It's, it, you know, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a really good time. Yeah, art art is so cool you. and fun. You're going to meet Juan's dogs. I love doing art stuff. Art stuff is cool. It'll be really exciting and It's fun. just the, the getting there part. It's not the being there part. It's the getting there part. I like to be places. Yeah. I just don't like to get places, you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean, survivors? Traveling is hard. Traveling is stressful. It's really stressful. Okay. What do we say? Survivors. What do we say to death? (laughs) What do we say to the god of death? What do we say to the god of death? Not today. Not today. Survivors, there's there's a a war war going going on on. out there. And an immortal word, the Vaudry Lord. Your silence will not protect you. Bye, survivors. survivors. Stay safe out there. Fuck you, Jeffrey.